0: Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever gonna meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am I I normal? normal? Am I moving towards something positive or away from something? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another captivating episode of Dates and Mates. Did you know that January is National Breakup Month? It's okay if you missed it. There's been a lot of New Year, New Me talk going around. And frankly, we aren't in the business of celebrating breakups. But while painful, they are sometimes necessary and a natural part of your progression as a human and even as a part of the dating process. And that is why marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby is joining us on Dates and Mates today. She is here to ease the pain, whether you just went through a breakup or whether there's just that person from the past that you can't seem to get out of your mind or out of your social media feed. Don't worry, because Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby is here to ease the pain and normalize the stages of a breakup to set you up for success all along your dating journey. Plus, this is a, a bit of a twist. She brought her own Dear Demona questions. So she'll be joining us for a very special Dear Demona takeover at the end of the show. But first, we've got the Dating Dish of the Week, and it is Dating News Reveals the Best Places to Meet New People. I wonder if LinkedIn is one of them. That is like a little callback of last week's episode. All right, grab your pepper and your salt, because we have a salty dating dish coming right up. These dating dish. Our friends at Dating News revealed a new study for the best places to meet people. Dating News says love is in the air, which, you know, dates and mates also says. So they just conducted a nationwide study to see how singles are actually meeting people. And this is something I I hear from a lot of you, many of you are fatigued on dating apps, which you've heard about here many times, but then you're like, how else do I meet people? And then our memories are so short. We're like, how did we used to do this before dating apps? Well, turns out, according to this study, we're doing okay with offline dating. And we are also embracing different ways of meeting people online. According to this study of over 500 singles, networking platforms take the lead. Almost 52% of singles said that they are using it to find a date. Yes, they even noted LinkedIn in the study, but they looked at all of the social apps, all of the even non-dating online apps. So like, for example, they said, Duolingo, people can meet on Duolingo, which I didn't know, but I do have a client who met someone on a language learning app where you practice your foreign language skills with another learner or speaker of that language. Um, I've talked before about how Sarah Silverman apparently met her boo on an online gaming site or app. I don't know. I'm not a gamer, so I don't really know the the proper lingo, but. We really need to consider our entire online and offline identity as part of our dating landscape, because now it's like all bets are off. Any, anywhere we can connect, we are connecting. Here was one of the stats that sort of made me raise an eyebrow. Um, here comes the salt. <laughs> they said that 40% of people have met someone at a bar or club. And I was like, did they conduct this study in 2007? Because I just cannot believe, I can't believe that number. There's just no way that 40% of people are meeting in a bar or club. 40% of people aren't even going to bars and clubs right now, like post-pandemic. We are so topsy-turvy in our IRL meeting and connecting. I just did an interview with SiriusXM, and I was saying how people see it as a aggression <laughs> to even go up and talk to someone in person. First of all, they like guys say, oh, I don't want to be creepy if I talk to a woman in person. And, and I, 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 would, I would dispute that fact if I didn't hear from so many women, particularly Gen Z and young millennial women that are like, yeah, this guy talked to me. It was like creepy. <laughs> so we we have this sort of love-hate with the online sphere of meeting. And yet we're pushing away human connection in person. So we gotta rewrite that. If Whatever age you are, it is not creepy to talk to a human in real life, okay? Um, I'm in favor of meeting at bars or clubs as long as you're not getting sloppy drunk and you don't even remember what you're saying. I, I think it is a good way to connect with somebody in a low pressure situation but looking at the survey, social events actually ranked pretty high. 45% of people said that they are resorting to social events. So that's sort of like a scaffolded, a scaffolded bar or meetup situation. So don't forget there's that. And then even higher, blind dates took second place. 48% use blind dates to find their next date. So what do you need for a blind date? Well, you need friends, y'all. Yeah. You need friends. You need people who are willing to make the setup. And here's the thing that we don't really take into account with blind dates. When someone is making a match for you, they're lending their name to you. They're putting their their stamp of approval. They're saying, yes, this is a good person. This person is not going to waste your time. They're not going to ghost you. They're not going to treat you like crap. It's it's thumbs up, <laughs> okay? so it's really hard actually to coordinate a blind date meet cute. And I feel like we, because of all the fairy tales and the rom-coms, we see blind dates happening and we aspire to blind dates, but I I don't even know 48%, that also seems high to me because I find that there's still so much shame around even asking for a setup. But, I do have a way of doing this. Of course, I outline it in F the Fairy Tale. I'll give you like the notes. Develop a connector circle. This is people who are in your circle, but are like maybe two degrees, three degrees connections. They're not your besties. If your besties knew someone to set you up on a blind date, you'd you'd be out right now. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now. You'd be out on a date. However, there are people that we're probably not thinking about who have connections to folks who fit our quote list, fit our criteria for a match. But we're too ashamed and afraid to even say that we're single to ask for the setup. And blind dates don't just happen. It's not like you're just walking down the street and somebody's like, hey, I'm gonna set you up on a blind date. Or like your friend circle is like, okay. Let's all get together. Let's make a roster of people that our friends should date, and we'll go down the list and we'll pitch. No, it's, that is a fantasy. If you think that that is happening, my friend, you are sorely mistaken. But it can happen if you then ask for the setup and you ask in the right way with clarity. Of course, I talk about it much more in F the Fairy Tale if you haven't gotten your copy of the book. Check it out at fthefairytalebook.com. There's so much more in this dating news article. We will link to it in the show notes. But I got to get on with the show because Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby is waiting here in the wings. And when I tell you, this is one of my favorite interviews I have ever done on Dates and Mates. I had so many aha moments. I find everything she said super useful for you, whether you're currently going through a breakup or you have in the past, you have got to stay tuned for my interview with Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby. This episode of Dates and Mates is brought to you by my Dating Accelerator program. All right, here's the deal, y'all. I have taken all of my knowledge of the last 17 plus years as a dating coach, and I've distilled everything down into an easy to follow system. So, whether you've been listening to Dates and Mates for a long time, or you're a new listener, or you just finished F. The Fairy Tale and you're like, what do I do now, Demona? I will take your hand and I will lead you step by step through all of the five dating loops that I see my clients getting stuck in. And I'll help you move through those dating loops to get you onto the relationship that you want. This is a self led version of the program. So you can take it anytime. You can start with our new cohort or you can just do it as you have time, but you can access it anytime, day or night, on our learning platform. Plus, you have the opportunity, if you sign up right now, to add on a one-on-one coaching session with Marquise, my VIP coach, who's been my right-hand man in this program for the last two years. All you got to do to sign up is go to demonahoffman.com slash course. Again, that's demonahoffman.com slash course. You can learn more about the Dating Accelerator program and get on your way to finding love in 2024. The link will be in the show notes. Welcome back. Dr. Lisa is a marriage and family therapist and the founder of Growing Self Counseling and Coaching. She's also the author of the book, Exaholics, Breaking Your Addiction to an Ex-Love. And she's the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Love, Success, and Happiness. Please help me give big smooches to Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby.
1: I am so thrilled to be here, Demona. I have like a total podcast host crush on you. So this is like a dream come true.
0: I'm blushing because the feeling is mute, girl. The <laughs> feeling is totally mute. You've had me on your amazing podcast a couple times, Love, Happiness and Success. It's a fantastic show. And I was like, wait a minute, we got to have Dr. Lisa here, <laughs> especially in January, because this time of year, not only is it Peak dating season and like the start of uh you know there's dating Sunday and the lead up to Valentine's Day, but it's also known as National Breakup Month. Mm-hmm. So there that that theme might resonate for some people, or maybe it's resonated for them in the past. So I was like, I need to bring in the big guns here. <laughs> I need to have Dr. Lisa because you're a marriage and family therapist. You're you're you've worked with clients through these kind of transitions for a long time. First of all, why do you think that breakups are so prevalent in the month of January?
1: Breakups and divorces too. Like we're busy, family law attorneys also very busy in January. And I think, you know, it's a reflective period, right? A lot of people don't make a move, even when a relationship is hard around the holidays. So even if it's been difficult and they're pretty sure they don't want to do it anymore, they'll like keep their powder dry in November, December. And then in January, this whole fresh start mentality. um, So I think that's one piece of it. But also, too, it's just a reflective time of year. I mean, who isn't really taking stock of who they are, what they want, how things are going? And January just feels like a natural... Natural transition time for making big changes. August two, interestingly, I have found it's that back to school energy. Summer's over, getting back in the swing of things, and like, all right, what do I want to not do anymore?
0: You can be part of that, <laughs> right? Am I right? I don't want to so, do you. <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> that's very interesting because I notice very similar cycles as a dating coach that January is a big month, and then also September, that's when I tend to launch my programs because that's when people are thinking the most about dating, but I don't wanna get ahead of ourselves because I do wanna talk about dating after a breakup, but I feel like there's a process that has to happen before, and one of the most common questions that I get here on this podcast is, how do you know when you're ready to date? How do you heal from a breakup? What do you, talk us through, You you have a heartbreak recovery healing process. Talk us through that, and what are the benefits of doing that as opposed to just like just diving into the dating pool in the deep end, seeing what happens.
1: So many, and I think you hit the nail right on the head. So insightfully, when you've really talked about, it is a process. It is not an event, and I think that this is there's a multi dimensional answer to your very simple question. But there are stages of healing after a breakup, and dating right after that, depending on what stage you're in, can look differently and can come with its own set of issues. Um, so I think that. The the short answer to your question, like how do you know it's the right time, is how confident are you that you have done the work of not just healing, but also taking the lessons learned from a past relationship and applying them with great intention to like, okay, what did I just learn about myself? What are the changes that I've made in myself because of that? And now I'm ready to create the kind of relationship I really want to be in with with confidence, with intention. And and that's what you're doing. It's that like, let's, let's help you find your person. But to just jump right into that first, it it's pretty reliably not going to end well unless you're really lucky.
0: E- coming attractions, <laughs> girl. I'm scared. I'm scared. But there was something you said that piqued my interest. You said mm-hmm. there's different phases. Oh yeah, of the you know of the process. I love that you said it's mm-hmm. not an event. It's a, it's a process. Y'all write that down. Write that down. It's not an event. It's a process. Seriously, that reframes everything. Yeah. But what comes after that? Can you walk us through what those phases? look like, what they are? Yeah. Well,
1: and I'm happy to, especially for your listeners, because I think unless people know what's happening, like where they are in this process, they can feel like they're just losing their minds, like especially in the first stage. So just to back up a little bit, the most important thing to know about breakups, heartbreak recovery, is that there is a very powerful biological process at the root of this, because our relationships are connected to not just survival drives as human beings, but like reproduction and sex. I mean, like this is going into lizard brain stuff, Demona. And so there's really powerful, like biologically based things that are happening whenever we experience an attachment loss or an attachment injury for that matter. But so So the first stages of an attachment rupture, a breakup, is something that feels like this massive withdrawal process. I mean, people have a ton of anxiety, intrusive thoughts, um, obsessing about their ex, like feels like panic. It it can feel like terror and it's overwhelming. And that is the first stage of this. And it's during this phase, I mean, people really like feel like they're falling apart if they don't know how to handle it or what's going on. It can lead people to like, you know, reaching out to exes that they really shouldn't be in relationships with, but they just feel so desperate. You know, there's this craving for contact. And so you see people like just going through that cycle over and over again of like getting back together, breaking up, like that whole Thing that's not good. So that's a really discreet kind of powerful stage. And sometimes it can seem like a good idea to connect with somebody new in the midst of all that, but it's usually motivated by something like revenge, or <laughs> if they see me out with another person, they're going to be so jealous. Or, you know, it's like people are trying to get away from that feeling when they're jumping into relationships.
0: Yeah. Just filling a hole too. Like totally. you had this person that was, holding a place in your life, Mm -hmm. and then it it kind of creates a vacuum. Now they've disappeared from your life or you've kicked them out of your life or whatever it it unfolds, (laughs) but it does create a little bit of a void that sometimes I, I see clients feeling pressure to fill immediately.
1: Right. And, and I think the million dollar question that can help people create clarity is, am I moving towards something positive or am I trying to get away from something that feels painful?
0: Are two big motivators, yes.
1: But like, if I'm getting trying to get away from something that feels bad and solve that problem by getting involved with whoever, that's, that's a warning sign.
0: Uh, thank you for clarifying all that. I'm like fascinated by this whole like mm. primal instinct lizard brain, oh. and I actually in my book in F the Fairy Tale I wrote a little bit. I had to cut it down. I had so much more. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be like totally honest and vulnerable here. Um, I was talking about a breakup I had, and I was like I was hysterical, like, oh, yeah. and I was like not like. Victorian hysterical, <laughs> like I was actually hysterical. And I yeah. wrote this bonkers, bonkers <laughs> letter to him that I'm like, thank God social media did not exist then because that I would never be able to escape the humiliation of this letter. Like, please, please, God, I pray that he did not save this letter that it's just gone. And in a fill <laughs> outside of Chicago somewhere, Because I was out of my freaking mind. And the really weird thing, Dr. Lisa, about uh, writing that in my book and then then having to edit a lot of it out. But when I was writing it, I kind of relived a lot of it. And even though like this was like 20 something years ago, like there's no part of me that has any, you know, wish that it worked out or like, you know, any kind of attachment to that person now. Yeah, in revisiting the story, I had this whole emotional experience again. Mm-hmm. What was going on with that?
1: <laughs> well, okay, so what, and, and I mean, obviously, we, we we could peel that onion for a while, Demona, and I. But but what it's I was not a suspect,
0: therapy session. It is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: okay, okay, I'm gonna like control myself. And so, what is also really common. um And understandable is that there is a relational trauma that takes place, closely related to a betrayal trauma, and that is very much connected with this biologically based attachment system. So... If I may, I'm going to let my nerd flag fly. Let's go. Let's go. For you. Okay. Former college biology major, right here, which has served served me well, believe it or not, as a a shrink. So, evolutionarily based survival tribe, they serve to keep human beings alive and to help them reproduce like all other mammals and plants and everything in the world. And so for people we are a collective species. A, a singular human wandering off into the forest by themselves in a, a you know world 10,000 years ago is not going to last through the night probably. Our ability to survive as humans depends upon our collective nature. So groups families, tribes. I mean, that's how human beings existed for millions of years, Mm -hmm. a million years. And so there's that piece of it. But also there's this pair bonding thing that happens between humans. We all have machinery that exists in our brains and in our bodies for the purpose of bonding to other people. And those attachment bonds are incredibly powerful. And I'm not talking about anxious or secure or avoidant. I mean, this is like, you know, a a mother... Going through great hardship to keep her baby alive at her own expense because of this attachment bond. I mean, that's a level that we're talking about. And without that, we wouldn't, um, I mean, we would probably still reproduce because the lust system, like the romance system, are actually different systems than the attachment bond system. But yeah, so there's all kinds of stuff in here. However, so in addition to like, you know, the emotionality and caring for somebody and like feeling connected to a person, when a profound like you are my person attachment bond is broken, it connects with us at this very deep level that's going into those primal survival drives. Like I am alone in the world in an existential survival place is one of them. And that is why people do insane crap to try to reconnect with exes who are terrible for them, like against their own good judgment even, is because there's this, I'm gonna die if I don't reconnect with this person, thing happening inside of them biologically that turns into very dramatic and cringy letters that you sincerely hope are not sitting in somebody's safe deposit box uh, 30 years later.
0: It, it literally puts you into an altered state. There was a totally. word. There's a word you kind of threw out, glossed hmm. over that I was like, hmm? betrayal, trauma, trauma. Be- that's yeah, betrayal, trauma. What? What you talking about? So there's this terrible like
1: experience where somebody's like, I feel like I'm dying. But what we don't often realize is that there is a trauma response after the fact, um, and so post traumatic stress disorder we've all heard that and there are um symptoms so and this is a very real like mental health condition when somebody lives through an event that is literally um could could kill them i mean violence horror war i mean terrible things happening you when you live through a traumatic experience it actually changes your brain Your brain encodes traumatic memories in a totally different place and in a totally different way than our normal day-to-day memories. Also part of your survival drive, because I mean it is very appropriate for if we're if we're gonna live, we have to avoid anything like that ever again. And part of the way that machinery works is by later after the fact, if it isn't processed, intrusive thoughts, re-experiencing big emotions. Um, It can lead to like avoidant behaviors, hypervigilance, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so a betrayal trauma is not in the DSM. It isn't. Uh, like, recognized thing because the DSM, which is, um, you know, like the the handbook that therapists and psychiatrists use to like, what, what is the name of this disorder? Um, so the DSM is very clear. It's like you were in a life-threatening experience where you witnessed something life-threatening happening. And so when we're talking about betrayal trauma or relational trauma, it doesn't meet that criteria. However, after the fact, depending on how... Tr- traumatic that loss was, in my experience as a therapist, people will actually be having that traumatic response. Um, but it's so hard because it's it it's invalidated by mental health professionals too, because it doesn't match like what's in the book. So it's, it's really hard, but it sounds like you were re-experiencing some of the, um, that old trauma
0: Yeah, girl, I'm going to get up off the couch because this could turn into a whole therapy (laughs) session. But like you just said a mouthful. You just said a mouthful. And I'm sure there's so many listeners that can relate Mm -hmm. to that and really feel seen and heard by what you just said that, like, even though it's not, quote, diagnosable, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that it's not real. It's so real. Yeah. Yeah. It's so real. (laughs) And And what do we do with it? Dr. Lisa, what do we do with yeah. it? Especially like if you have that yearning, like you keep talking about this, this drive, this, this, this survival primal drive. God, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Like I, I, I really want to understand the difference between like the lust drive and the pair bonding drive too. But I'm like, I want to give people yeah. some, some tangible tips to date again after divorce, after a big breakup. Yeah. And, and like what they shouldn't, I want to tell them what they should know mm-hmm. to be able to do it differently and also to like be open to the risk, right? Falling in love, dating, there's inherent risk oh, yeah. in that. But I just don't see how you get to the reward without taking some risk.
1: Of course, I mean, really, we're we're built to bond, right? And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Is what what life can be about, you know? And there's that that other side of the coin because it can be dangerous in the sense of going through experiences like this. Yeah. But so to, to answer your question, you're like, so what f- how can we you help people? No, it's a all row. good. <laughs> you know, um the the thing that I see so often is that there is an absence of understanding and support for people who are going through these experiences. So especially in that very first stage. You know, if they go to a therapist, a therapist is going to be like, yeah, what is wrong with you? Because there's no training around, like, what this is. I didn't learn any of this in, like, counseling school, right? So there's that. Um, And then... Uh, you know, where where do they get help for this experience? So people oftentimes internalize it. What's wrong with me that I'm feeling so terrible? You know, other people just kind of get over it, but it's so profound. And so they try to solve their own problems sometimes by dating again. So what I believe is the first most important thing is to just understand that this is a process, that, that this kind of healing does happen in stages. The first process, that stage Is incredibly overwhelming and horrible. And the one single piece of advice I could give your listeners is going to be like radically oppositional to everything and like the self help zeitgeist, but it is don't believe everything you feel and don't believe everything you think. Because when you're going through this, you're essentially in an altered state where whatever you think is a good idea, probably not a good idea, it's this old machinery trying to like save your life. And that is not like a rational response.
0: Oh my gosh. I've had like seven, like, (laughs) in just (laughs) the time we've been talking. Yeah. So, okay, if you can't believe everything you think and feel, um, what can you do? (laughs) But really, what is the next phase? Okay. We talked about like the trauma response phase. And I don't know if these have specific names. I'm probably. No, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I, I think
1: of it as a withdrawal phase because what we didn't talk about, but it is also a piece of this, is that the, the love and bonding thing, there's a, a highly addictive component to it, actually. And so when that attack, it's the same uh, system. As Like if you were addicted to a substance like heroin or something. So that's what's happening. But so I think that first phase is like recognizing that and then also having the support of somebody to help you like not make anything worse and develop almost like coping skills, because what will happen next is if, you know, and and I think the first big turning point is that when people um, begin coming to terms with this, this relationship is actually over, it makes them feel a lot worse, first of all, but it also pushes them into the next phase of this, which is grief. So there is a profound like mourning and, and really like Feeling legitimate sadness and processing some of those big feelings in a safe place. That's also part of this, like, you know, emotional pulling apart experience that comes next. And also, not advisable to date during that period because. You know, like back in the day, like 100 years ago, there was a socially, culturally recognized mourning period. So if you lost someone close to you, you would dress in black for a year. You wouldn't get invited to things. People would leave you alone from the wisdom of like, you're not okay right now. And to go, you know, and try to like be all sparkly and fun, like, no. No, let's just not do that. So it's a time of reflection, self-care, like giving yourself space to honor the loss. And there can be certainly like rituals of, you know, one of the hardest things I think about relationship loss and like that grief process is that it doesn't come with the rituals of mourning. Like, God forbid, if you lost a family member, they're like, funerals aren't for the dead. They are for the living. It is this ritual that helps um create closure but relationship loss is so ambiguous right because they're not they're not dead they might live like you know half a mile away like there so there's this this open loop that can make it very difficult to to go through that process of grieving and mourning but that's one of the stages that is really important
0: But it doesn't have to be a year, right? (laughs) Doesn't have to
1: be a year. No. And that's the thing too. I think there's myths around like, and people I think also judging themselves around like how long should it take me to get over this? Absolutely not a, a metric that anybody should be indexing. It's how are you doing the work? If you do the work well and like really lean into it, you can move through that. I would say a week or three. I've met people that have been stuck in that place for like 10 years. So like, not time. Okay,
0: question on that because yeah. I hear from a lot of people, well, I knew my relationship was over for like six months. So they feel, yeah, no judgment, they feel that they have been doing the work already mm-hmm. even though they may have been still partnered, still married, still relationally mm-hmm. involved in any sense of the word you choose to take that. Um, Okay. I'll be honest. I'm sort of skeptical. I'm sort of skeptical that you can be still in relationship and fully immersed in that experience that you were just talking about.
1: I agree with you. I think anytime a relationship- You can call me
0: wrong on my show. You totally but can. But you're right.
1: You <laughs> because any anytime that you are still cohabitating, that attachment bond is being- maintained whether or not you know it. And right. so when when that ends for real, you are going to be pushed into stuff that you didn't experience while you were still like cohabitating. However, and this this may scare some of your listeners. So We'll go there anyway. What is also true, and I say this as a therapist, I talk to a lot of people who are on the off ramp of a relationship and and really like doing a lot of that work of detaching and releasing an attachment bond well before they pull the trigger with their partner. And so they are talking to me, their therapist, about all these things that they're unhappy about and then deciding for themselves. They're experiencing anxiety. They're working through grief, but they're doing it on my couch with me without talking to their partner about it. So I think that's also true. Like when some people are like, well, how do they get over it so fast? I it, It's that they, they preloaded the work. Not that they don't have work to do on the other side, but... Um, That's the thing that happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes
0: total sense. And this is why another common Mm -hmm. question that I get on this podcast is (laughs) this person says they're separated or they're like not, they're not Uh, yet divorced, mm -hmm. but they're not, should I date a person? And then there's, (laughs) there's the difference between people that say, like when it says relationship status, it's that disclose. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. separated Mm -hmm.
0: not legally divorced and then there are the people that don't really say that like kind of are just like it's just uh let's just see where it's going and then tell you about it later and I I I do think it's kind of situational for because I I just I don't want to say on the show no you shouldn't date somebody who's separated because I don't know if they are going through that experience that you were just describing, but I don't know, maybe I should say, don't do it. It's complicated.
1: It, it really is complicated. And what you're saying is so valid because I mean, it, it really is specific to the person and the situation. I mean, there is typically a lot of unfinished emotional business when anyone is, you know, like separated, but not Divorced? What's that about? Because there can be things like therapeutic separations where a couple has decided to split, work on the relationship. You know, is the partner on one side of that looking for an, you know, an avoidant fueled escape hatch? This is also a weird and scary thing to say, but I think people who are unhappy in a relationship and don't know how to do the work of rebuilding it might have escape fantasies and can um, connect with an affair partner, a new romantic partner as like an off ramp it's like an exit hatch that they can escape through. There can be motivation there and and if you have a sincere interest in connecting with somebody that you can have a healthy relationship with, yeah, be, be cautious with that. You know,
0: some people are going to write in and say, I'm disappointed with that oh, answer, but you know, it's yeah. but it's because we because of the stories we tell ourselves, Dr. Lisa, because we have expectations and hopes and dreams and aspirations that we invest in the dating experience. And (laughs) we try to make the stories fit, even if they don't fit. And
1: F the fairy tale is uh, the answer.
0: (laughs) I I literally wrote the book on it. Okay. So speaking of questions I get on this podcast, Dr. Lisa, you told me before we began recording that you actually collected (laughs) a couple of questions. So I thought, why not flip the script. We always do the Dear Demona Q&A uh, segment at the end of the show. For today, why don't we flip it <laughs> and do like reverse Dear Demona. You ask me the questions and we'll answer them together. Does that sound good?
1: I love
0: it. I think your
1: Dear Demona is just the best. And I, I have some pretty juicy Dear Demonas. Okay, you ready.
0: Okay, well, I can't tease to it. We're gonna take a quick break. I can't tease to it because I don't know what's coming, but I kind of like that that excitement and anticipation. So I hope everyone will stick around. I am back here with Dr. Lisa Marie Bobby, and we're flipping the script on Dear Demona. She has questions for me, so let's let's see what's in the grab bag of Dr. Lisa's questions today. Dear Demona. Demona, help me.
1: All right, here it comes. So we have a very juicy Dear Demona. Dear Demona, how can you stop feeling like you will never find somebody
0: as good as your ex? <laughs> well, of course, I want to hear your answer to this, Dr. Lisa. But, you know, I would say, <laughs> first of all, I believe that we learn in motion. I believe we learn relationally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people will come to me and say, I'll be ready to date when I learn this, when I lose 10 pounds, when I get this job, when I do this move, when I whatever mm-hmm. it is. And we we sort of put an obstacle in the way of our progress and our dating happiness because the risk of opening yourself up again and maybe having the same thing happen feels really scary, feels very overwhelming. And it's almost like if I push this away, like it can't even be possible that I could find someone as good as my ex, then I don't have to go through the experience. I don't have to get my heart broken again, and I don't have to open up. So uh, the short answer I would say is like, just do it. (laughs) You like, you can't know. And as a therapist, I want to hear what you think, because I, I don't feel like we can just reason ourselves into believing it to be possible, but this is, I get really excited, Dr. Lisa, when clients tell me after years of not having a great date, they're like, I had a great date. Didn't, this wasn't my person, but I had a great date. I get really excited for them and they're like, wait, why are you excited? I just told you I'm not, you know, that, that we went on three dates and we're not seeing each other anymore. And I say, because now you know, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what you think. <laughs> can, can we like, yeah. uh, can we mindset our way into a a different perspective?
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think mindset is completely a huge part of this. There are a lot of self-limiting beliefs. And to your point, a lot of self-reflection, or sorry, self-protection, if we um, are avoiding being hurt again, like it's very safe and there's competing goals a lot of times, like I want a relationship, but I also want to stay, stay safe. So like all of that I think is completely true. Um I I think what I would also add to that from my perspective as a therapist and like walking with people through this process is that it is also common to idealize one's ex and sort of rose colored glasses that to me is an indication that somebody has not done all of the work That needs to be done because in my experience, when that healing process is complete, what is typically I find true is that people actually feel an enormous sense of gratitude um, for having had that terrible experience and no longer have many feelings about their ex at all um, and are grateful that they are no longer with that specific person. Mm. So idealization of an ex is telling me there's unfinished business there.
0: Ooh, girl, that's deep. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. deep, but it is possible. Mm-hmm. That I think that's the big takeaway that yeah. both of us are saying is that, like, of course, of course, you can find someone as good yeah. as your ex. We don't like. We don't even know that that person, and right, and and we. And we or with a hundred percent certainty, we would say that you are going to find somebody as good as that person.
1: Or better, because by definition, that wasn't right? a good relationship. Like, <laughs> right? So there's that. But I think what you were talking about, like shifting your mindset on purpose and like doing that self-talk thing. Again, we can't believe everything we think, Damona, and like having some control over your own story is incredibly powerful.
0: Yes. And just to clarify, I do say, I do have like a whole section yeah. in F the Fairy Tale about mindset and how I, I, you can mm-hmm. reprogram your thoughts through mantras, yeah. through visualization, through all of these techniques, through therapy. You absolutely can. I just feel like it doesn't solidify until you're out in the world and you see it reflected back to you relationally. So You are exactly right. Should I do fireworks? Do fireworks! Woo!
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> do you have another question in the grab bag? I love this.
1: I do. Um, so, dear Demona, how do you navigate missing your ex, but also really wanting to give your new relationship a chance?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm like I'm learning from Dr. Lisa I feel like you just said if we are <laughs> still thinking about our ex maybe we haven't done all of the work and it is so what you were saying the rose colored glasses like we mm-hmm. we forget all the bad times and we forget that like obviously if we're not in relationship with them anymore there's some reason for that We we just like drop that chapter off the book and we're like, and here is the perfect story. No, honey, (laughs) there's more in that story that you need to go and look back up. But it's just it's unfair, Mm -hmm. I think, to your current partner if you can't be present. That's what I I do a lot with my clients is just bring them Mm -hmm. into the present moment because I find that anxiety really comes up, that dating anxiety, that that push pull that 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 this um question writer is feeling Mm -hmm. it comes up when we are ruminating on the past or projecting to the future so how can you get in the right here right now with the person you're with in this moment if you can't do that you're kind of wasting their time and you're also wasting your own
1: yeah and and um I think that what this question exemplifies is exactly what we're talking about. Like, how do you know when you're ready to date again? Uh, what, What are the dangers of dating too soon? And it is exactly this. Now they may have connected with a lovely person and they are literally not emotionally available because their ex is still camping out in their head, in their heart. So like any new relationship will not work because of the unfinished business.
0: Dr. Lisa, though okay, they're already in relationship with this new person. Uh-huh. Can they do the work now? Um do they have to throw this great great catch back in the dating sea?
1: Well, okay, I mean yes and no. It dep- so I'm I'm all for authenticity, right? Um and I think that When you are in a relationship, the things that you would be feeling and experiencing otherwise are going to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like covered up. What's the word I'm looking for? Like covered up or buffered to a degree. Like if that person wasn't in that relationship, they would be feeling all kinds of things much more intensely. So because of that, they, they don't have full access to their inner experience and it's harder to like tap into that. So that is one thing. But also, I mean, there is by definition, this level of concealment that comes if, if you know, the person who has this attachment to somebody else is working with somebody like me or going through these steps and doing all this deep work and grieving. Like, are they going to tell that to their partner who's like, you seem off? Or what's up with burning all the stuff in the backyard? Like, right. Can we, ch-? and you know, like, so you say, well, it's really because I still have this profound attachment bond to my ex and like I compare them to you all the time. Like, I don't know. Would that feel good to you?
0: I, Nah, Uh, nah.
1: But I think that's the, like, do do the work before you, like.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I'm always talking about dating with empathy, too, and compassion. And there's this feeling that if you end something with someone Mm -hmm. that, or if, even if it's just, like, somebody that you matched with and you don't want to go on a date with them, or maybe you've seen them for a couple times and you're like, this isn't happening, that it's better, less hurtful if you just sort of. Fade away, and I find that that's the opposite of what is correct. That people usually appreciate some level of clarity. I don't know that oh, you yeah. need to know all about like the burning the stuff in the backyard. Um, <laughs> however, doll. What's, what are we doing? What are you, doing, <laughs> what are you right. doing? Oh, well, this is my ex's doll. Um, but I do feel like having, gosh, we just need to get clarity ourselves, right? And then we can have clarity with other people and learn how to communicate it. Dr. Lisa, Mm -hmm. I want to answer more questions with you. I want to talk to you more about all of the things. (laughs) but We're out of time (laughs) for today. This is so amazing.
1: I have had the best time. You're so much fun to talk to, Demona, and you have such a refreshing perspective. I love it. Huge fan.
0: Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me, Dr. Lisa. Be sure to follow Dr. Lisa on Instagram at Dr. D-R-Lisa Marie Bobby, that's B-O-B-B-Y. I'll make it easy for you. I'll put the link in the show notes and I'll also link to her breakup recovery program. So, so, so good. Make sure you check out every piece of advice that Dr. Lisa has available to you. I hope you enjoyed episode 492 of Dates and Mates. If you have a question, the DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on TikTok, X, Facebook, And, of course, Instagram. Of course, I love to hear your voice. You can send me a voice memo on Instagram. Or get this, y'all. This is kind of a new feature. We sort of slid it in at the end of the year, but we didn't really tell everybody. But if you're listening on Spotify right now, there actually is a little pop-up that says that you can submit a question for the show right there on Spotify. And I will read it. And next week, we have a Dear Demona episode. So... Don't worry, I got you covered because in that episode, I'll be taking questions from Instagram, I'll be taking questions from Spotify and from email and from phone and text, which is 424-246-6255. I hope by now you have your copy of F the Fairy Tale, which you can get at your favorite bookstore it's an Amazon number one new release already. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books. But here's just a one ask. If you have the book, if you love the book, if you just like me and you like want more dates and mates and you want this to succeed, leave me a review, leave the book a review, leave dates and mates a review, tell somebody about what dates and mates has done for you. We'll be back again next Tuesday with this all Dear Demona episode. Until then, I send you so much love and I wish you, as always, happy dating.